Welcome back once again to the showcast, and it is time to welcome our second guest for this week. Uh, a little bit of an animated theme here. Our next guest is the showrunner and one of the producers of the hit Fox series, Family Guy, and is now the creator of his very own animated series, Border Town, that airs Sundays on Fox, 7 p.m., 6 p.m. Central, as part of the same Sunday night comedy block. Uh, please welcome Mr. Mark Henteman to the show. Mark, how you doing? Good. How about yourself? Thanks we're, for having me. Yeah, no problem. We're doing uh, we're doing really well. So, oh, good. Um, are you calling? Um, usually, we like to find out where you're calling from. East Coast, West Coast. I'm assuming West Coast. I am on the West Coast. Yes. Where are you guys? Uh, right outside of Philadelphia, actually. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, based inside of the Philadelphia area. Okay. Uh, you know, but as I had mentioned, you know, you uh, you've been the showrunner for Family Guy for. Uh, you know, you've been working with Family Guy for quite a long time, and now Border Town is your uh, your baby, and uh, yeah. you you know you're into the first season right now. For our listeners who haven't had a chance to check it out yet, tell us a little bit about the show. It's uh, you know it's about uh, two families living on the border, the the U.S. Mexican border, in a fictitious town called Mexifornia, and one is. Uh, uh, one of the families is the Buckwalds, and the father is Bud Buckwald, who's a border patrol agent. And he's kind of an Archie Bunker who feels like he's losing his place in the world and his town has changed around him. And uh, next door to him lives uh, Ernesto Gonzalez and his family. And Ernesto is an immigrant who's been in the country for uh, 15, 20 years and, you know, has it works hard and is entrepreneurial and is always and already doing just a hair better than Bud and it kind of drives Bud crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've had out of the center center of the show. Yeah, uh, I mean, I've definitely checked out the show already and uh, it definitely makes me laugh. So I'm 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 enjoying it for sure. <laughs> oh, good. All right. Uh, you, you know, as I had mentioned too, you've worked on Family Guy for I think since season one, correct? Yeah, you know, I think I joined. Uh, at the beginning of season two, which if I, if I remember, it was like episode eight. I think season one did like a, sh a very brief or short order of episodes. And then um, it was after, if people remember this far back, the they had premiered after the Super Bowl in 1999. And then they were off for like until May. And I think I got hired during that break. And they were just starting to ramp up for uh, the next bunch of episodes. Okay. Yeah, 1999. Wow, I can't believe it was that long ago that they premiered. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how, <laughs> how long that is. So, but, I mean, obviously working on Family Guy that long, you know, working on an animated series obviously is something that isn't new to you. Um, were you nervous jumping into something of your own at all? Um, not too much. I, you know, I was actually excited to try to do something uh, – um, I had done a show and it's actually the reason that I got hired on family guy is I had written a script, an animated script for Fox back in 1999, early 19, actually it was late 98 and, uh, MTV ended up airing a season of it. It was called three South and, uh, Seth read that script and I, we were both at 20th and he said, Oh, you should help out on uh, family guy and see what happens with your your show. So that's how I got into family guy and stayed on family guy. Um, and it's, it's been great. You know, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, I, 
you know, I know everyone very well over there, and it's it's great. But uh, I was, you know, I was a little little nervous, but mostly just uh, excited to try something new. Shift gears after so long on Family Guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you were talking a little bit about Family Guy at least for right now, just because. Uh, as Ben mentioned, you're a showrunner, and to be honest, I'm not exactly sure what a showrunner is, <laughs> but <laughs> it interests me because I I hear a lot of people say, oh yeah, we're a showrunner for this show, so could you go into exactly what a showrunner does, I guess, and maybe if it's different for an animated series than it is for uh, for live action? Yeah, it's mostly across television, it's it's the same kind of position. It's usually a writer. Television tends to be more or less a writing driven medium. And so writers who have been there long enough, they kind of rise up through the ranks and you start taking on more responsibilities and, uh, you know, you become a producer and then you become an executive producer. And then usually one or two of the executive producers are chosen to be responsible for everyone, everything that, you know, everything that is put on the air for the whole office. You kind of run the whole show, basically. That's why I guess it's called a showrunner. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you, you know, you're, I guess you're the equivalent of like a director on a movie set, but you're just responsible for delivering, you know, delivering the shows to the network, um, dealing with the network and with the studios, but also internally, you know, you're the creative you're driving all the creative decision-making like the stories that you do and, and ultimately you sign off on all the jokes and you're in the room pitching jokes, but you know, you're with the other writers and kind of guiding the script. That's cool. So is, was there like a, uh, a moment or a certain episode that maybe you wrote that kind of moved you up the ranks and got you into this showrunner position? It's, it interests me to see how, how you got kind of made your way through the ranks there. Yeah, you know, I always look back and think that the fact that I did that show on MTV, um, and that was that got picked up. So I started off on Family Guy. I was on those first three seasons of Family Guy, and then Family Guy got canceled. And during the two years that Family Guy was off, MTV ended up uh, picking up that animated show that I had that I had originally written for Fox, and uh, and so I ran that. Um, you know, I was fairly young for a showrunner and creator at the time, but I got great experience. I got to oversee the whole thing, and I oversaw the animation, and I got a much better understanding of not just the writing process, but directing the episodes and, and you know, how to fix problems with animation. And as a result, when Family Guy came back, you know, I had had this experience under my belt, and I knew Seth would need help with a lot of that stuff. It's just a bear doing a, an animated show. So I just kind of, in addition to writing, I, I was helping out with all facets of production. And then I wrote a couple, you know, I, I don't know if any specific episode I wrote, you know, I wrote back to the pilot, which had gone over pretty well and was kind of an ambitious episode. Right. But I think mo mostly Seth had, you know, I think I had sat in a room with him for a long time so I think he he was comfortable with my creative choices, but I think mostly he liked that I knew how to do all the different facets of the job. Yeah, okay. yeah. Is um is Seth a, a big part of helping you out with Bordertown as well? Um, you know, he's mostly kind of a a uh, 
a, a non-writing executive producer. He he helped. We talked about it when um, when before I first went into Fox to pitch the show, um, and he came with me. But um, you know, he he's juggling a lot of different projects and, and shows, so he's often helpful calling the network and dealing with the network when there are bigger fights to fight. Um, yeah. But as far as the day to day to day operations, um, you know, he's kind of not involved as much in that. Okay. Uh, I know one of the things that I love about animated shows are, you know, their ability to pull in great casts for vocal talents. Uh, and, you know, and Bordertown is really no exception to that. You're working with Hank Azaria, who he himself is no stranger to long running <laughs> animated series on Fox. Right. Uh, you know, right, working, absolutely, with, yeah. working with the Simpsons, <clears throat> uh, Judah Freelander, Missy Pyle, Alex Borstein from Family Guy yeah. as well. Yep. Uh, All any... great. Nick, Nick Gonzalez, who plays uh, Ernesto and Barracuda and JC, he's he's kind of newer to animation, but uh, he's he's fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, between Bordertown and, you know, overall the years of Family Guy with all the people that uh, you, you've had the chance to work with voice talent wise, is there anybody you haven't worked with yet that you would that you would want to? Um, you know, I I haven't I've sat in on records and, you know, what, maybe I've recorded like a line or two of his. But uh, John Benjamin is someone I really like ah. that I've <laughs> never really gotten to work with. But he always makes me laugh. I love his delivery. Um. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that who that, else? That, I mean, Dan Castellaneta. I'm a huge fan of. I, I'm thrilled that I get to work with Hank. Um, but yeah, that Simpsons cast is just amazing, and I grew up on them. Yeah, because uh, they've been around for I don't even remember. I don't even know how many seasons they've been on. I the think they're somewhere around 27 or 28 by now. I think they started in 1990. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it started yeah. on Tracy Ullman, which is blows my mind still to this day. Yeah, which I think is 1989. I think that was on. So yeah, if we're in 2016, that's like 17 years ago. Yeah, yeah, that's is that still... right. Yeah, 20. No, 20. Not 17. 27. 27. Yeah, that's still crazy. <laughs> it's ins- it's insane. Yeah. 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 So you seem wow. it seems like you had um, your interest in. The Simpsons early, knowing when it started in 1989 and all that. I was wondering what your interest or how your interest started in animated comedy, because that kind of seems like your niche, and um, I certainly found some success there. Yeah, yeah. I had my I had always drawn, drawn growing up, and I was a caricature artist. Just I was not really well trained. I didn't have like technically, I was never a good. Uh, draw artist but I, I i always kind of drew and i had my own style and i did caricatures in high school and and my first job i got kind of miraculously is i was a greeting card writer and illustrator for american greetings <laughs> in their alternative humor department and uh and yeah i got to uh i amazingly they they let me draw and illustrate my own card so i kind of learned i had to learn a style um, because you know you're writing and drawing cards every day, and up until then, I I, no, I remember noticing that like yeah, every drawing I have always done is different. So you had to figure out like what is your style going to be, so you don't have to reinvent it every time. But uh, but yeah, and I you know I love The Simpsons, 
And then, uh, you know, some of my greeting cards got me into the television business. I got hired on uh, David Letterman uh, to write for The Late Show. And I was in live action at first, but, uh, but then stumbled on Family Guy, um, onto Family Guy, you know, a few years into the business. And, you know, I, I loved that. I loved, I, I loved and still love writing for animation because I just, you know, I'm such a fan of visual, absurd, surreal comedy. And, uh, and you get to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I think the obvious. You can do whatever follow- you want. Yeah, and I, I think the obvious follow-up here is: Do you, were you ever told which greeting card got you onto the Late Show? Because that's a pretty serious greeting <laughs> card. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think they were none of the ones that got published because there was <laughs> there was kind of a badge of honor at American Greetings that if if you you know nobody bought the funny cards. It's, <laughs> it, that's what we would always say. It's like our, the cards were bought. The average, the median age of greeting card buyers was like 65 year old grandmothers. <laughs> and so when we were in the alternative humor department, if you ever did something that was really subversive or sarcastic or really just bizarre, um, it would often, nobody would buy it. It would be, we had this rack in our department that was the sales rack and it was all the test marketing and the numbers, the sales rating was on your cards. And if you got like a 0.0, you know, that was cause for celebration. Because <laughs> you, had, you, had, you had written something probably genuinely funny. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's strange, though, because I always go for the funny cards when I, when I buy greeting cards for people. So I, I find that kind of weird. You're a 65-year-old grandmother. That's true. It's very, very yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, I buy them, too. And I always look, you know, most of them I, I – I'm like, oh, oh my God, I can't, I can't ever send that to anybody that I know. But uh, they do have them. I think there's more like niche comp. When I was there, you know, it's a funny, it's a hilarious industry. Like it was American Greetings and Hallmark. We were rivals, and we were the two big, you know, companies. And uh, there were all these niche, smaller companies that were starting to cater towards, you know, much hipper cards and and more subversive humor yeah uh, unfortunately (laughs) i i didn't write for those (laughs) (laughs) what was um was an american greeting or hallmark that had the the old woman and her dog i can never remember i think that's american greetings that's what i think too and i can't remember oh well yeah yeah (laughs) i could be confused i knew we had uh ziggy and garfield and there was like a big binder of rules uh for how to work for them but fortunately, it was funny. That was the uh, conventional humor department. Like there were <laughs> in the, this giant office, there was the conventional humor department where you serviced all those characters. But I was lucky enough to land in the alternative humor yeah. where you kind of did whatever you wanted. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I know over the last couple of years, we've seen Seth jump off and do some work in film now, you know, with Ted, Ted 2, and A Million Ways to Die in the West. Um, do you think that would be something you would ever like to explore one day in the future yourself? Uh, sure. If everybody, if, if anyone ever entrusted me with uh, directing a movie, I would definitely take them up on it. It sounds like it sounds like it would be a ton of work. I got to kind of see it a little bit from you know, from the side as Seth was going through it. It yeah. seems like it's exhausting and a lot of work, but it also seems like, you know, what the hell? If someone's going to 
let you do that, it, it seems like it'd be really fun at the same time. Yeah, because, I mean, you never know. You could find, you know, the same amount of success in that as well. So you wouldn't know until you tried yeah. it. And it's a visual medium. You know, I, I, I love, you know, I love, like, I love the visual aspects of, of, of making television and film. Yeah. Is there like a uh, an idea that you might have that where obviously movies are more um, kind of a long form than a, a television show? Just as far as sitting and watching, it, it's not longer than a half hour. So, is there something that you you might have um, an idea for that you weren't quite able to make um, just because it's tough to get it into a thirty minute animated comedy, so to speak? <laughs> yeah, you know, I I've written a uh, a couple features. And uh, just sitting in a on a shelf somewhere. But uh, one of the ones that I, I wrote and kind of sent around was uh, a very absurd version of like a CSI. And I think you know they did a show. I, I saw that they had done a show um, uh, of it, but it was just a very absurd sort of uh, naked gun approach to uh, CSI. It seemed like a, a easy <laughs> no brainer as far as a comedy, but like a you know, a David Caruso type lead. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> that Angie Tribeca thing they did on TBS. I don't know if you saw oh, that at all. It's yeah, they did that recently. Like that. And yeah. then when I finished it, there was something on, uh, there was something, whenever you're writing things, you always like have this hyper awareness of whatever shows up that's going to be your same idea. But there was something, I think it was on maybe Adult Swim or Cartoon Network that was, you know, a little bit of a version of a, of a, you know, a high tech police, high tech police investigative unit. But that was a right. little bit of trying to do that. But those things are all in the execution. You know, it's, uh, yeah. it's all in how it's done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, speaking of how it's done, I honestly, I've never heard of this, this three South that you were talking about with that you wrote for uh, MTV, but the ratings uh-huh. are really good. <laughs> And it oh, only for, it was only out for a couple of years. So was there something that happened there? Like you only wrote it for that certain amount because you were with Family Guy, or I'm just interested because the ratings were really good. So it wouldn't really make sense for it to get taken off the air or anything like that. You know, I think part of that might be the fact that ratings were back in 2001. Ratings just were higher across the board. Okay, but I remember, I remember, you know, I did, um, I did. Uh, Three South, and there was uh, um, oh crap! I'm gonna blank on the name of the show. And the I, I don't know if you know the producing team Lord and Miller and their directors. Uh, they did uh, the the Twenty One Jump Streets, and they did the Lego okay. Movie, and they did uh, Last Man on Earth. They had a show called uh, oh, I, I'm gonna get it wrong, but it's like Zombie High School or something. Um, <laughs> And we both had animated shows in this block on MTV, but then MTV, a new regime took over MTV and decided they were abandoning animation for reality shows. And uh, oh, yeah. so we kind of, we kind of found out halfway through. That's the thing about animation is you have to write it so far in advance. If the, uh, with most animation, you're, you're writing it a year in advance that the entire, uh, regime of network executives could change by the time you finish and are ready to air yeah yeah that's rough with the uh, the animation stuff like the actual drawing and, and all that stuff right right unless <laughs> so, you're south park and 
blow it all out. In yeah. Two weeks. <laughs> so basically, what you're saying is this new regime came in and ruined MTV. <laughs> since, <laughs> you, know, you know, since they don't play music videos anymore, that was pretty much the last time I even watched MTV was for some of the animated shows that were on there. So, right, they had done Beavis and Butthead and and Daria. Daria, great. yeah. And yeah, and I think they did those up until probably close to 99, 2000. And I think we were kind of following them. But by like, by the time we were on the air and it was like 2002, uh, you know, I just remember getting this call that like, you know, there was new executives and they, they, you know, uh, reality shows, reality programming was, I guess, uh, a lot less expensive and they were just targeting you know, a younger audience with reality shows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know, I know we're running out of time with you, but, uh, one of the, one thing I've always been curious about when it comes to animated shows, and especially with yourself being a showrunner and, and such, do you spend a lot of time in the studio with the voice actors, you know, giving them notes and such as they're recording? Yeah. You know, you, you're always there, uh, directing all the voice actors and, you know, some of them, are kind of on autopilot. It's kind of fun being a family guy now because so many of the core cast, like Alex Borstein and, and Seth and Patrick Warburton and, and Seth Green and Mila, they've all been doing it so long that they just go in and they don't really need any direction. They can kind of do it themselves. Yeah. But on a first, first season show, there's a much more of like, you're in there and you're doing a lot of back and forth with, uh, with the actors. And it's, it takes more time, but sometimes it's exciting. You're still kind of finding the characters, and sometimes these actors, they just come at it from a direction that is surprising and, and can be really funny. And that's when you're, you can kind of tell the difference between really great voice actors and, and, and those that you know, aren't quite as good. Yeah. Do, are there, usually when they're in the studio and such like that in the beginning stages like this, you know, early on in the show, uh, is the animation already drawn at this point or are the voices done first and the animation done to the, the voice? Um, in television, the, the voice track, the vocal track is usually the first thing that gets laid down. An editor, you kind of direct the actors, they come in, they just read off the script and you kind of have to have in your head. I learned this when I was you know, starting doing this at family guys, you kind of have to have in your head how it's going to look is to see like what the scenes are going to play like. Yeah. And that kind of informs how you direct them, like what kind of reading read you want them to give. Um, but then the editor puts it all into uh, what they call a radio play and time and you time it out. And then it goes to the director and the storyboard artists and they draw everything after the fact. And okay. I, I've heard that like uh Pixar and, and Disney movies. I think in, in movies, they tend to do the opposite. They tend to start animating and then have the voices watch the animate, have the voice actors watch the animation and, and deliver their lines. Okay. Uh, so from start to finish, how long would you say it takes to produce an episode of an animated series like this? Uh, it depends on how, how elaborate you want your process to be. Family Guy, I think, is now maybe 12 months. Uh, maybe 13, I think we fluctuated between like 11 and 13 months for the last 10 years. Um, you know, border town was a little lower budget, so we didn't have certain stages of the process. So I think we were around nine or 10 months. And that's uh, so per yeah, episode are, or for the season? That's, that's per episode. You, wow. you start, 
you start, you know, um, you know, if you if you were starting this month, you'd start on April first, launch an episode, give it to a director, and then they start their twelve month process, and then a week later, you start episode number two, and you know, get that one into the pipeline, so that eventually, you know, a couple, a few months later, you have twenty two episodes all going through the pipeline at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it's I, confusing. I, I bring it up basically because I just remember something from Family Guy last season where they killed off Brian. And, uh, yeah. You know, and the whole uproar about it. And then when they brought Brian <laughs> back a couple episodes later, I just remember friends of mine saying, oh, they brought him back because everybody was so disappointed. And I'm like, no, they didn't. Right. This had to have been in the works for a <laughs> while. Yeah, yeah. I you remember know? that they, chi- you know, people thought we chickened out. That yeah. I chickened out and went back. But no, that was. We were committed. That's the one thing with animation is you have to commit like 10 months in advance yeah. to what you're doing. And it's hard to make any drastic changes. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I figured. I just wanted to defend my point when I was defending you guys about that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Uh, but Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Obviously, we want to send people to, you know, to follow uh, Bordertown on Twitter, Bordertown, uh, Bordertown on it's at Bordertown on Fox. Uh, I know your your Twitter account as well is Mark. Hen- is it Henty? H-E-N-T-E. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't at- tweet much, but uh, I try. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but at, at Mark Henty on uh, on Twitter, and of course, uh, watch Bordertown Sundays at seven o'clock, uh, six p.m. Central yeah, on, Sunday night. It's on Fox.com, and we're trying to get a second season, so uh, we're we're up in the air at the moment. We're any any tweets you want to give on the show's behalf would be appreciated. Yeah, we'll de- we'll definitely encourage everybody to do so, and of course, wish you the best of luck, and we'll keep our fingers crossed for that second season. All right. Thank you so much. So, uh, all right, guys, stick around and we'll be back with even more of the show cast right after this.